BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, amid the isolation of shelter-in-place restrictions last year, three artists responded by creating Artists and Elders, a project connecting seniors with art makers to create new work. More than 80 artist-elder pairs around California and even the world have now joined the project. Producing much more than moving works of art, they've created lasting intergenerational friendships We'll learn more after this news. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. When shelter-in-place orders came down across California last year, Beginning with seniors most vulnerable to a chaotic new coronavirus, Erica Chongshuk, Rowena Ritchie, and Ryan Takata sprang into action. They created the project Artists and Elders, and their mission, they say, was simple. Connect elders with artists while everyone was isolating, create and exchange art, and inspire new forms of distant socializing. This hour, we'll meet some of the more than 160 people who joined the project and learn about what they created. Joining me first are Erica Chongshuk and Rowena Ritchie. Erica Chongshuk is a performance maker, choreographer, and director. Thanks so much for being with us, Erica. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having us, Mina. Rowena Ritchie is a dance theater maker and performer, co-organizer of Artists and Elders, also a writer, teacher, and senior Atlantic fellow for equity and brain health at UCSF. Rowena Ritchie, glad to have you on as well. It's a privilege. Thanks, Mina. So, Erica Chongshuk, I'll start with you. It was shelter-in-place restrictions, as I mentioned, that prompted this project, Artists and Elders. But what were the the concerns and questions that, that really motivated it? Yeah, so Ryan, Rowena, and I founded a performance collective called For You about five years ago, 2016. And we have been making performances in which we consider performance making as gift giving. And we work with this idea of creating performances that bring strangers together for these kind of intimate encounters. And so we've been doing that in a variety of capacities for five years. So it kind of felt like an easy slide uh, into pandemic times for us. So I would say the the motivating factor um, was, was really, as you mentioned, just a simple idea of bringing artists and elders together for companionship and and connection. Um, I think that so many of us were so concerned about the elders in our own lives, especially early in the pandemic when we just like didn't really know what was happening. I remember being so worried about my about my parents. Um, and we have this community of artists, this robust, generous, gorgeous community of artists that just wanted to like jump in and be productive. And so it felt like really natural mm. for us to step into the role of matchmakers. Yeah. And Rowena, I understand that your work at UCSF's Memory and Aging Center also informed this. How, how did it do that? Yeah, well, we had um, 
a connection to a community befriending organization called LBFE, Little Brothers Friends for the Elderly. And we knew um, really this population of vulnerable older folks, especially through LBFE predated the pandemic or was not limited to the pandemic. This isolation um, can be chronic in some cases. And um, really at UCSF, I learned that uh, really about social determinants of health and one of them um, isolation is a risk factor for many other health problems. And so really wanting to um, seize the moment uh, uh, where we were all experiencing degrees of isolation to plug in some creativity. And like Erica said, like really tap our friends as artists and creative makers. Yeah. So Erica, the first step was putting out this Facebook post and and you said that you got quite a generous response give us a sense of how big that response really was and did it surprise you oh gosh um you know i was remembering this morning i was talking to rowena and i was remembering that early in the pandemic uh, I have an eight-year-old kid, and uh, early in the pandemic, we, before we had online school, all of the parents were trying to figure out like what to do with our parents, and Ryan Takata, our colleague, said I should do home ec with my kid, uh, and so I, um, with my kid, I had him make a pillow for my mom, and on the pillow, there was uh, his hand kind of cut out of felt, and we gave it to my mom, and she like touched it and just felt like this pillow became this like substitute for physical contact and she just fell so deeply for this pillow and so I think that I, I think that the Facebook post was something like my son made this pillow for my mom and it completely transformed her life in this time where we all are so desperate for contact who would be interested in a project that 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 connects artists with elders and I mean, I think I got hundreds of responses within like a couple of minutes, which wow. it was pretty overwhelming. I have to say, though, that I'm not surprised because I think that artists are just these like brilliant creatures that just want to stop up. I think that art, like what I've learned this past year is that artists are like so nimble that we might come from the field of like performance making. But if it if we have to end up cooking brownies because that's what our elder really wants we do that so that kind of like nimbleness flexibility generosity like determination to find a way to be productive and helpful and to create more beauty is like that's what we do and so I don't know that I feel surprised but I feel grateful and the idea really traveled right well we know it's gone past the Bay Area past California it's national international tell us about the reach of this yeah I mean the bittersweet thing about the pandemic, I guess, is that we learned to use Zoom. We learned to really um, stretch our way, you know, as Ryan, I will credit with coining that phrase, um, distance socializing instead of social distancing and really thinking about using the landline, using um, mail, using, you know, these virtual ways of connecting so that we could um, you know, initially reach out to some artists across the, the country and the world. We had some uh, a little um, pod of artists in Europe that we were connecting with, um, and they could connect with their elders over Zoom. Um, and then we, uh, another kind of beautiful thing was some of the regional theaters that we're um, familiar with wanted to do some programming for their patrons during the pandemic. And so we got a commission from the Court Theater at the University of Chicago and also from Oregon Shakespeare Festival um, to partner with their communities. And that, 
that became this very lovely uh, opportunity for us to meet artists local to those communities and elders local to those communities and really uh, pr provide support for them to uh, create the programming that they wanted to that was meaningful and, and gave them purpose uh, in, you know, local to them. We're talking with Rowena Ritchie, a dance theater maker and performer, co-organizer of Artists and Elders, and Erica Chong-Shuk, a performance maker, choreographer, and director, and also co-organizer of Artists and Elders, which is a project that paired artists with senior citizens to combat isolation that can come from shelter-in-place orders, especially early in the pandemic. And uh, you can join the conversation with your thoughts or questions about the project by calling 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email us, forum at kqed.org. So Erica, Rowena mentioned Zoom and, and how we learned to, to get uh, to get good with it, basically, as a result of this pandemic. But what was the the structure or the engagement that you were recommending for people in terms of their interactions across Zoom that could create the most meaningful and productive relationships? I will say that the project has taken so many different forms that early in the pandemic, everybody was connecting via Zoom. A little bit later in the pandemic, there were some people that met outside. So I think that what we advised the artists, what we asked the artists to do is try to understand how their elder partner would most like to connect. Yeah, and to, and to try to uh, find a way to meet, their, to meet their elder in a space, whether that's virtual or over the phone or via postcard that felt like a natural place for the elder to, um, uh, to, to, to connect with them. I, I don't know that we gave much advice beyond beyond that. I mean, I will say that we, for most, for, for many of the projects, we asked that the artist met with the elder three times. And we kind of wanted to create a cap on that because we know that these relationships can become like forever friendships. And we wanted to just create a clear kind of container for that project. So we asked the artist and elder across projects to meet about three times and to generate a, a piece of art um, based on that period of time together. Mm -hmm. I will say, as you'll hear from some of the artists later, that like the three times it rarely it rarely shaped up in that way and what we've learned is that the artists like many of the artists have continued to be involved in the elders lives not not across the board but they're that the, these are friendships that are ongoing yeah. um and that yeah that warms my heart erica do you think there is something in engagement through an artistic process that opens up avenues of connection say that that maybe normal everyday connection or conversation would not i love that question because we're in the business of like hopes and dreams and fantasy right that's our that's our bread and butter and so i think a lot of times especially with elders we turn to our elders and we ask them about their personal histories and oftentimes we think about like the histories that are perhaps rooted in sort of like trauma and difficulty right those are the stories that we gravitate mm. to and we go to elders as a kind of like encyclopedia and with this project we did say to the artists like hey let's like let's think about let's let's ask future leaning questions let's really think about fantasy in terms of where the elders like what they're imagining, what they're fantasizing, what where they imagine they will be in 200 years. And like that line of questioning, I just think creates some really like 
fun conversations. And I think that we, we want to think about bringing like levity and, and, and joy and buoyancy to the kinds of interactions. And that doesn't mean we're going to not be available for the harder conversations, but I think leading with a sense of, of like future leaning questions um, and, and, and leaning into creating work that is not necessarily autobiographical. Like, you know, I'm thinking about Rowena mentioned there are a few, there are three elders that we worked with in Europe through the project and they were all Holocaust survivors. And early on we're like, wow, the, they're, we've learned that they were really tired of telling that narrative, right? That they that over and over and over again, they're asked to recount those experiences. And so we were really explicit with that group of artists, like, let's not do something that's based on that, even though that's the record that we all need um, and want, like at this moment in history, let's like, let's, let's push, let's, let's push past that and, and see, you know, see kind of like the corners of their, the corners of their lives, like the dark, the dark drawers that might not get a lot of attention. Let's open those dark and dusty drawers and see what's kind of sitting underneath the, the immediately given story. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, well, we're coming up on a break and I want to, again, listeners, if you started an intergenerational, intergenerational friendship yourself uh, during the pandemic or deepened an existing one, Feel free to tell us about that as well. Again, you can join us by calling 866-733-6786. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. We're talking with Rowena Ritchie and Erica Chong-Shuck, both co-organizers of Artists and Elders, and we will meet some of the artists and elders right after the break. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about a project, Artists and Elders, a project that paired artists with senior citizens amid shelter-in-place restrictions. And it was created by Erica Chong-Shuk and Rowena Ritchie, as well as Ryan Takata. Erica Chong-Shuk is a performance maker and choreographer and director. And Rowena Ritchie is a dance theater maker and performer. And uh, we are going to hear about some of those collaborations. And joining me now are two participants, Deirdre Visser, curator for the arts at California Institute of Integral Studies and publisher of Chroma Books. She participated in Artists and Elders along with Glenn Stoltz, a 79-year-old artist uh, who lives in San Francisco. Deirdre Visser, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Also, Glenn Stoltz, glad to have you with us as well. Well, Deirdre, I'm going to start with you. What about Erica's Facebook post? I understand that's what 
you saw made you want to participate immediately? What, what were you thinking in terms of what you could do and what you could get from it? You know, it, um, it, it was like red, you know, it was like um, a beam of light kind of, I mean, it's everything that I imagine the arts to be as a language of connection and community building and story sharing. So it was, um, so I recognized in thinking about this conversation today, it was also, you know, in, though I had so much um, uh, more privilege than many people moving through this pandemic, I also had a need to connect and make meaning of this really unusual time. And uh, Glenn Stoltz, tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you want to get involved when you heard about this project. Well, I came here from Louisiana. I came here in uh, 1967, and I've been here a long time before I got in, involved in any art. And when I did get involved, I was pretty old. Like right now, I'm 79, and it's only been in the last few years that I've tried uh, doing the things I'm doing now in art. And I find that I can do it much better than I thought I could. <laughs> well, that's great. What are some of the things that you're doing now in art? Well, uh, right now I've been stuck in my apartment because of the pandemic. I haven't been able to get out much, but I have a good view from here. And I can look out the back and out the side of my apartment and see for a long, long distance. And... Uh, I draw what I see out the window, and uh, I've made a, a, a number of drawings and a number of paintings, and I've managed to sell uh, uh, enough to make at least $500 from it. I never thought I would be able to do that, and um, I'm still working on that. I, I, I have a great view, and I like to draw that. Was it this project that allowed you to realize that you could do that, that you could, that you did this art really well and you could sell it? Well, it, I, I, it was this project that made me take it seriously. Um, I was doing it in order to um, uh, get myself into a better mood. Uh, because I was having mood problems. Uh, um, so I started uh, uh, drawing and writing in order to uh, 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 get myself away from that state of mind where I would fall into these states of depression, which were hard for me to manage. Mm. But the art helped me with that. So that's what initially got me into it. And then um, um, Deirdre Visser came along and got me into it uh, even more. And I managed to produce uh, about four paintings, and uh, we got them displayed in a, uh, a, 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 a... coffee shop or something wow. and uh, people bought them people liked them and I felt that well I've done something that people like and so that made me think better I think 
of myself. It, it helped my self-esteem at, at a time of life when you need that help. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm 79, <laughs> and uh, I, it, it, it's something I can handle. I find I can handle it uh, better than I thought I would when I got to Sage. Well, Deirdre, this or as part of this project, the aim was to learn about your match, about Glenn, and to give a gift, a, a sort of capstone or something on your unique time together. What did that gift essentially end up being? Well, I've always been oh. a kind of isolated person. I, I, uh, not the kind of person that goes out and seeks out friends. And so I was pretty much by myself, and it gave me someone to talk about this over it and someone that was telling me that I was better than I thought I was. Mm. And that helped my spirit, so to speak. And um, uh, that's that's what it was. Well, that's wonderful, Glenn. And, and I'm so curious, Deirdre, what what the gift was for you. Well, the gift um, for me certainly was to be witness to Glenn's kind of remarkable development as an artist and his poetic relationship to his home and to the to his sustained and disciplined kind of looking out his window was such a beautiful and poetic practice. Um, so the gift for me was this relationship, and it was pretty quickly clear that as a curator, I'm also an artist, but that the thing I could offer him was my interest. Um, and, and we spent hours and hours um, in the evenings on Zoom. And, the, you know, the, the mechanism allowed him to share works in progress and for me to respond and for us to build a relationship in this way. Well, we've got some callers coming in. And let me go to Kelly in San Rafael. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi, Erica. Hi, Rowena. Hi, Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, what would you like to say? Well, I just wanted to speak up because I was part of this project as well um, late last year. Um, uh, Rowena and Erica, in their infinite wisdom, matched me with um, a wonderful man named uh, Rabinder Malik in uh, Japan. And um, it was, it kind of, you know, I know that part of the goal was co to connect people, and I just felt it changed my life. I have still a wonderful connection with him. And uh, yeah, it's been a wonderful experience. Um, and, uh, yeah, the project, originally, I think we were connected because each of us are singers. And um, after meeting with him for, gosh, hours and hours on Zoom, um, we, um, I just, I learned so much about his life. He had been um, born in uh, what he calls undivided India, which has now become West Pakistan. And, um, but in his life, he traveled and lived all over the world and worked with the WHO and he worked for the UN for many, many years, and he's since become a, an expert in a lot of different distinct types of Japanese folk singing. Mm. And he's won competitions, and he's been on television. And, and you know, just listening to his, his stories and the things that he's done in his life, I was just, like, floored by this man. Just so impressed, and he was so proud, and he, we, we would sing for each other on Zoom, and it was just beautiful. And so originally I thought that we would do a music, a music project together, but after talking with him for so many hours and realizing how much he had done and how proud he was and how 
he really wanted to share these accomplishments uh, with his family and with his community. I, I realized I wanted to make him some sort of a, a container to sort of show everything he had done. And so I ended up actually making him a website. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's what oh, we ended wow. up doing. And we, it was, yeah, it was great. We went back through his life and, and, you know, really documented, um, all the different parts of his life and photos. And I did all these interviews with him and taped them, uh, you know, showing his expertise in Japanese folk singing. So it's basically like a, a beautiful sort of tribute to his entire life. And he's, He's just, it's been, it's been a thrilling process. And I just really thank for you for that because it's changed my life as well. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for sharing that. And uh, it's, it's great to hear just how much of an impact this project has had because it is the focus of today's show. And we just heard from two participants, Deirdre Visser and Glenn Stoltz. And I understand we also have yet another participant on the line. And this is Kay Brown, an elder living in Los Angeles who participated in Artists and Elders, and in Kay's case, did end up, as I understand, creating an art song out of their collaboration. Kay Brown, welcome to Forum. Thank you, and um, hello to everybody on the project. <laughs> and I understand you collaborated with an artist and musician named Elbe. I'd love to play the art song that you created, but before I do, can you tell me a little bit about the song and what role you played in the creation of it? Because if viewers see a video, listeners see a video and view it, they will see also some, some really beautiful art in the background. Um, the art actually was incidental. Um, what started out was the introduction to the project with El Bay, and I was so thrilled she and I, I was in Los Angeles and she was in Mexico City. So it allowed us a huge, um, low, what do you call it, a leap in distance. And I really had no idea what we would be working on. And together we came up with the idea of a song and what kind of a song and what kind of time we're in. And would this song have any impact? on the pandemic that's going on and on our lives. And it certainly did. I was so lucky to, to have her, um, a professional musician and artist, uh, really lead the way. And yet we ended up totally collaborating on the entire song. I had no idea we would go in this direction. So it, it was a great experience. Well, let's play a little bit for our listeners. This is Art Song, a collaboration between Kay Brown and Elbe. The more we get together, 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 the more we get together, the happier we'll be. The more we get together, together, together. Stuck in this place, far from the rat race, but somehow I keep on running. The more we get together, the happier we'll be. They talk of this thing, this invisible sting, that we all suffer from daily. For your friends are my friends. It spreads without us knowing. 
That is Art Song by my guest, Kay Brown, a collaboration that Kay did with Elbe for Artists and Elders, a project that pairs artists with senior citizens to combat the isolation of shelter-in-place orders and has had tremendous impacts. This song is is really beautiful. It's deep, even a little ominous with, with a real fighting spirit to it, Kay. What was the message you wanted to send with this song? We wanted to send people um, a, a feeling of unity, and yet it is dark, and it's about the, the pandemic, and it's also about racism and sexism and how we need to question what we're doing and how we got there. Um, this sing-song and song and response to one another, we picked up and used uh, children's songs further down. You recognize them. Ending up with the silence will kill us if we don't speak up. And this is probably not hugely surprising to come from you for people who know you because you do come from a long line of activists and change makers, right, Kay? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We have, yeah, we, we have from as far we 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 started out as as settlers as most people did in the United States, and ended up as wait a minute we just we're camping out on these people's land, <laughs> so that kind of set us off uh, the generation that we have going now. Of course, I'm 86, and I feel that I've had a chance to do a lot of work, and there's still a lot of work to be, to be done, darn. There there sure is. And, uh, and uh, joining me now to talk about work that, that she did is Lauren Spencer, another participant in Artists and Elders, a theater artist and writer who partnered with Jean Abe, who wasn't able to join us today, but Lauren is here. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Erica. Hi, Rowena. Hi, everyone. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your elder match, Jean Abe, and what inspired your gift to her, Lauren. Yes, Jean, she was so, it was so wonderful and magical to speak with her um, because she um, lived, told me that she grew up uh, in Arinda and she had come with her family, you know, she was very young, had a very interesting childhood. She is Japanese American um, and had encountered a lot of racism. And that was sort of our our point of entry. Um, But what I found to be so incredible uh, in speaking with her is that she just had such a incredible relationship to pleasure um, throughout. She led in our first conversation by telling me that she was a hedonist and proceeded to describe (laughs) this amazing five-hour meal she had in Italy one time. And uh, she just saw the world as a poet, I I really thought, and had this childlike sense of wonder, which uh, was at any point in time, I think, would have had a deep impact on me. But specifically in the pandemic, I felt like I was sort of searching for my own sense of innocence and childlike wonder in a world that seemed very dark. And, and Jean was this beautiful point of light. And we started talking about her childhood. And I'm an actor by trade and uh, 
and a director. So I thought that there would be some sort of theatrical piece of art that would come out of it as, as the gift that we shared. But what really stuck with me were her stories of this doll that she loved when she was a child and um, that she'd given away and, and sort of regretted giving away. And she'd gotten the doll for Christmas when she was, I, I think she was five when she received it, but remembered every detail. And um, we talked about climate change and recycling. And I got this wild idea to recreate her childhood doll out of recyclables. Uh, and so I, I created that for her and gave it to her. And it was it was a really, I honestly, I've told Erica and Rowena this and Ryan, but I, I really feel that the gift was to me because it asked me to step outside of my comfort zone and, and re-enter that beautiful period where we think all things are beautiful and possible. Well, I love this response from Jean to your doll, which you wrote about when you wrote about your experience with her. Jean said, this gift makes me feel like you saw something in me that translated to my inner child, my little girl feeling. She tells me, even though I am 75 with white hair and arthritis, I never lost that feeling. Somehow you honed in on that and the little baby doll is the symbol of it all. Well, Lauren Spencer, thanks so much for sharing your experience with Jean Abe. And uh, we've got the creators of the project that made those experiences possible, Erica Chong-Shuk and Rowena Ritchie, as well as other participants, Deirdre Visser, Glenn Stoltz, and Kay Brown. And we'll have more with them and with you after the break. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the project Artists and Elders this hour, a project that paired artists with senior citizens amid shelter-in-place restrictions and that has continued and had lasting impacts today. The creators are Erica Chong-Shuk and Rowena Ritchie. Participants Deirdre Visser, Glenn Stoltz, Kay Brown are with us. And you, our listeners, are weighing in, Emily writes, I was honored to participate in the project. I made a project with my mother, Carol, who just turned 100 years old this month. We met on Zoom and talked about our mutual love of swimming, but it also came to be about our origins and how we lived such parallel physical lives. I was able to use some footage I found in a linen closet in my mother's house from 1947 as part of the project. It is always amazing to see a person over time growing and changing. Such incredible things that came out of this. And we have one last participant who is joining us on the line, 
Randy Wong Westbrook, a set designer based in Los Angeles who participated in Artists and Elders with elder partner Jasmine G, who couldn't be with us today, but Randy Wong Westbrook is here. Randy, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, hello. It's so nice to be here. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved, because it's slightly different in that it was through a poster project. What was the poster project about? Yeah, so the poster project was um, coming around the time uh, shortly after all of the anti-Asian violence um, was happened in, in the South and uh, was reaching, you know, mainstream news everywhere. And we wanted to connect specifically with Asian American elders. And um, I was reached out to by the by Erica um, and other um, Asian artists in the Bay Area um, to join this project. Um, but I know that uh, as excited as I was to reach out to um, uh, the sorry um, to so the Asian elder population, Asian yeah. elder. Yeah, um, I had a particular concern. Um, so I identify as trans and non-binary and um, I identify as mixed race um, and so half Chinese. And my uh, connection with the you know Asian elders in my own family has been sort of mixed response of acceptance and, and being seen and I knew that whoever I'd be paired with, um, that I wanted to make sure that um, I wouldn't necessarily be met with any sort of misunderstanding of who I was. And um, so I made a sort of request to see if I could be paired with a, a queer Asian elder of some kind. And uh, with Jasmine Julie G, it sounds like you got all of that and more. You've described Jasmine as giving you permission to continue on your own personal journey. What did you mean by that? What journey is that, Randy? Randy, are you there? Oh, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Did you hear my question or did you need me to repeat it? Oh, I think while we try to reestablish that connection with Randy, let me read a couple more comments. The listener writes, I so love this and wish I had seen Erica and Rowena's Facebook post because it is, it is such a fantastic project. I know them both from previous performance work. I'm a singer and really miss taking lessons with the voice teacher I studied with for many years. He's now 92 and it was so hard not to see him. Eventually I figured out how to have virtual lessons with him and it was so magical. He's as brilliant as ever and he would just light up when we worked together and it made my heart whole. And Yael writes, I'm the founder of Zoomers to Boomers Improv, an intergenerational international virtual art space program that I started a year ago as a response to the pandemic. I'm a boomer and my co-facilitator is a millennial. We use improvisational theater as a tool to connect teens through elders from around the world via Zoom and weekly improv classes and workshops. So far, we've had over 100 participants ages 13 to 80, 80 something from 10 different countries. Um, and it sounds like we are still trying to make that connection with Randy. And there's a chance that we have Jasmine on the line with us, Randy's partner. Jasmine G, is that you? Yes. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for calling. We're so glad you could join us. Yeah. 
So tell us what the experience was like um, working with Randy on this poster project in response to attacks on AAPI elders. Um, that was, uh, there were other things that we talked about because it didn't, fo- it didn't entirely focus on that. Um, I am very careful. In fact, uh, some organization provided uh, a little device that if I put it, uh, have a loud noise and lights, and then I got something else with a whistle. And so I'm very careful if I do go out at night because uh, I do volunteer for the SF Symphony as an usher. So I'm super careful. Yes, and, and it did sound like from talking with Randy that your conversations did go very far beyond just focusing on the attacks and, and the violence and the tensions that were happening around and the I more publicized still, attacks. Yes, I am still following the news. It's still, it's still ongoing, uh, especially in Oakland and San Francisco. Yes. Other types of violence now, thefts. Well, I believe, yeah, there is. There is a a lot of other types of violence, and I believe Randy is back with us. And Randy, are you there? I am. Sorry about that. No problem. And you can hear your match, Jasmine, on the line with us. (laughs) Just before we... We uh, dropped off. Uh, we had you drop. You dropped off on us. I had asked the question about how Jasmine gave you permission, as you described it, to continue on your own journey, and I was curious what you had meant by that. Yeah. So, and I mentioned that within my own family, there's been some mixed response to me being true to who I am, and um, that seeing not only just another, you know, queer trans individual, but just also an elder who, and Jasmine, I know you, you know, transitioned a little later in life, um, how you still continue to seek for your own truth and your happiness and in the fullest of ways and connecting with your community and, um, and volunteering and, and being of such great service to your community. Um, but from, for me, you know, when I asked you, what do you want the world to know about you? And after you told me about so much of your life and your journey and and all the things that you do, that you want people to know that you're just human at the end of the day. It doesn't matter who you are, but that you are a human being and that you deserve respect. And I think as my, on my own journey of self-discovery, where I may be focusing on only parts of me, um, I feel such great permission to to consider all of the things and not being fragmented in any way. Um, and yeah, and that's really captured in in the poster that you made of Jasmine. And I just want to read what it it said. It said, "Volunteer, advocate, musician, princess, author, elder, parent, sister, daughter, Chinese American, trans woman, 
I Am Human. All about our guest, Jasmine Jubilee G, a 72-year-old uh, Bay Area native, and also Randy is on the line with us as well, Randy Wong Westbrook, a set designer based in Los Angeles who participated in Artists and Elders. And you, our listeners, are also weighing in on this really touching project. The listener writes, Elder Artist Glenn is a gem. Please have more people like him on air. Glenn Stoltz, are you still with us? Yes, ma'am. One of the things I did wonder when you talked about being home, you did say once you were vaccinated that you would go out to paint. Yes. Where was the first place you went? Well, I haven't gone anywhere. You yet. haven't gone yet. I you still haven't gone. <laughs> I just finished my vac got my vaccinations done uh, about a week ago, and I'm thinking about where where I can go. Uh, it's been a, a couple of weeks now since I've done very much uh, artwork, but uh, when I uh, when I do, I, there are several places I have in mind yeah. around San Francisco that I'd like to go and try to draw them. And if if I if I can do that, then I'll extend it to painting them. And I hope that works out. What is one place? Can you name one of those three? Uh, I, I, well, uh, one place I thought of was the boathouse at uh, Stowe Lake in Golden Gate Park. That sounds like a great spot to do it. And uh, it makes me think about looking ahead for this project, Erica Chongshuk, and wondering what is the project doing now? Where is it Where is it going? Well, it's not, it hasn't gone anywhere so far. But uh, as uh, I have a little problem because I had a stroke in about six or seven years ago. And it's, it's a little difficult for me to get around. And... So that's why I haven't uh, gotten out there so far. But uh, if I can get if I can get over that obstacle, then I will get out there, and I'll do the best I can. Well, Glenn, I I certainly believe you will, and I'm really glad to uh, really glad that you are are so motivated to do that. And and Erica Chong Shuck in terms of your motivations for where this project goes. Erica, what do you think? Uh, Glenn, we gotcha. I, I, I just, I feel like this is our continued work, right? Is to, is to recognize that we are kind of, I hope, knock on wood, coming to the light at the end of a very dark tunnel. It's been an incredibly mm -hmm. hard time. And I just imagine that there is this little light at the end of the tunnel and that we will all meet there. <laughs> and that the next phase is really about meeting in the light, which means meeting in real space, which means uh, a number of performance events that bring the elders that we've been working with um, out into the community. For example, we're doing an event on December 12th at KQED's beautiful new space that's going to invite the public to meet three of the elders that we connected with over the pandemic. And so, so kind of through conversation and performance, we're designing this kind of series of welcomings, like welcoming us all back into shared space. And part of that honestly is for us to say, hey, Glenn, let's find a way to get you to the boathouse. Glenn, I know somebody at the boathouse. We, so I think that it's just about like continuing to follow the dreams. And I just want to say that also like as an artist there's an extraordinary kind of opportunity for us as aesthetically driven artists to create 
work in a very new way. Like the work that we will create that is being like rooted and inspired and intending to like speak to and with our elder partners, like the, our, our work is changing. And so yeah. as like an artist, I feel like it's just been wonderful to have that, like that inspiration and to recognize that the work itself is changing because of these uh, new friendships. Yeah. And, and this were this event that you mentioned, Erica, will be streamed for those who are not in the Bay Area. It's a KQED live event on December 12th. We're talking with Erica Chongshak, a performance maker, choreographer and director and co-organizer of Artists and Elders. Rowena Ritchie, a dance theater maker and performer and co-organizer of Artists and Elders. And we're talking with Deirdre Visser, Glenn Stoltz, Kay Brown, Randy Wong Westbrook and Jasmine, G, all participants in this program. And you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Rowena Ritchie, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your own personal takeaways from being involved in this project. What did you learn that, that surprised or touched you most? Mm, wow. Well, I'm learning today what incredible humans we've had the privilege of coming into contact with. I mean, I knew that, but just listening to all of you, I'm so moved. Um, I, I'm fiercely committed to using creativity to assuage some of our, some of these crises, some of the, the, the crisis of isolation, um, helping us through the pandemic as, as these projects, you know, have really resourced the elders' stories, not not just the stories from the past, but the but those hopes and uh, joys that that many collaborations resulted in, and the the infectious um, energy from those. Thinking about Kelly building Rabindar a website, that the above and beyond. Um, resources of the artists and their flexibility, as Erica was describing, their adaptability to these creative constraints. Also, I'm, I feel very committed to intergenerational work. I feel like we all um, are, are, you know, in, in the Bay Area, maybe in the West, generally, we have these age silos. And I really learned like just how creative we are uh, across life course. Kay Brown, are there have you been able to meet up with Elbe, who is in Mexico City, or or are there plans for you to do that? Oh, thank God you asked. I had the wonderful, wonderful experience of actually meeting it with her and spending a few hours here, where I live in a in a kind of a small park, and she turned out to be so. She was so inspirational, and even our our meeting was was a great thing to have happen. Um, I think that we have a friendship that'll last our lives. Erica Chongchuk, you have described this project as creative mutual aid. I feel like I understand what you mean by that better now after hearing from all of these participants. But yeah, I think that that. That phrase was coined by our brilliant collaborator, Ryan Takata. And I, I, you know, if we think about mutual aid, I'm moved today to really think about the mutuality of that, that we are, that there is this like very beautiful exchange in which we are all 
um, like getting a piece of the pie. And if we think about like a creative mutual aid project, like we as artists have this mm -hmm. like deep toolbox of like the tools and techniques that we've developed in the realm of our respective fields, performance, visual art, and that those tools are actually quite flexible. So they can, they, you know, they can be used uh, to facilitate these kinds of, um, I don't know, to to find the love together is really what it's all about. If we can bring love into a conversation like this, I think we can. Yes, and Deirdre Visser reminds me so much of, of your comment about in many ways, um, the gift is less a gift or or an item in your case, but your sustained attention to Glenn's development as an artist. Oh, I mean, it, it was certainly a gift for me. And uh, um, we, did, um, we did curate an exhibition together, but it's really... And we may do it again. And I think now I have a trip to Stowe Lake on my list. I might to do this. Um, but it, it was indeed a gift and, and quite a lot about love. Well, Deirdre Visser, curator for the arts at California Institute of Integral Studies and publisher of Chroma Books. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Glenn Stoltz, really happy to have you on as well. Thanks so much, Glenn, for talking with us today. Well, thank you. Kay Brown in Los Angeles, thank you for telling us all about your experience. Thank you for the opportunity. Randy Wong Westbrook also really appreciated having you on to share what your partnership with Jasmine G meant to you. Yes, of course. It was so nice to chat with you again also, Jasmine. Earlier, we heard from Lauren Spencer, a theater artist and writer who participated in Artists and Elders with Jean Abe. Erica Chongshuk, performance maker, choreographer, and director, thank you. What a joy. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to come together again, Mina. And Rowena Ritchie, my thanks to you as well. Thank you, Mina. And thanks for the generosity, you artists and elder types. We love you. Rowena Ritchie is a dance theater maker, Ritchie and performer and co-organizer of Artists and Elders, the project Artists and Elders that paired artists with senior citizens and the lasting impacts it's had today. Ariana Prail produced today's segment. I'm Mina Kim. Thanks so much for listening. of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.